Good morning. Welcome to Grace this morning. One more announcement. Um, this afternoon, we are going to, uh, the GCC hiking group is going to be hiking the Pawpaw Trail at uh, Fall Creek Falls. If you'd like to join us, um, we will meet in the parking lot at 1 o'clock, or we will meet at the trailhead at 2 o'clock, and afterwards, we hope to be able to swim in the Caney Creek Falls. Falls. <laughs> the, uh, and tra- is Tracina in here? Tracina, stand up. She's in the very back back there. If you have any questions, you can ask Tracina. She's our leader. All right. So how many of you came out to Goodstock last week? Woo! We had a good time, didn't we? It rained. It rained. But for those of you who weren't there, we did not get rained out. You cannot do that to us. We are too fun for that. We partied on. So, uh, yeah, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed that God would not send the rain. And Roger even said, let's take tables and set them up inside the house just in case. And I was like, no, because that would give God the wrong impression. He would think that I don't trust him and that he's going to get rid of the rain. And then it rained. And I was like, God, I thought we talked about this. And... But then everybody started gathering under tents and running up on the porch and running in the house, and everybody got pushed together, and we grew closer together. And God's plan was better than my plan. So now I thank God for the rain, and I hope it rains next year. (laughs) No, just kidding, I don't, but still. Um, And I know that for those of you who heard me sing karaoke, you're just dying for me to sing this morning. But... uh, (laughs) Uh, I reserved that for good stock, so you should have been there. (laughs) But if you're wondering who I am, my name is Teresa Breeding. I am the Women's Ministry Director here at Grace, and we call our group the Grace Sisters. We meet on the first Tuesday of the month uh, here at the church, and so we'd love for you to join us. This Friday night, we're having a slumber party at Honey's Place in uh, Clark Range. Honey? At Honey's Place. She has 18 beds for us, and we have five left. So if you'd like to join us, we'd love for you to, and I can talk to you about that after the service. Uh, But this morning, we're going to continue on in the Storyteller series of the Parables of Jesus. We're going through the Parables of Jesus in chronological order. And um, I want to remind you that the parables are stories. They're not true stories. They're illustrations that Jesus used to help people to understand things better. And as when um, I first started coming to church here, I was a volunteer in the children's department. And Miss Sharon taught me that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And today's parable is about forgiveness which is a really tough subject, and I heard some people take some breaths when I said that. Uh, (laughs) It's a really tough subject. Um, The Lord has taken me on a real journey uh, over the past couple of weeks as I've been preparing this message, and I want you to know that it's a lot easier to talk about than it is to live, and I'm still journeying on that journey with you. So uh, that being said, I think we better pray before we get started this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this message This morning, Lord, I thank you for your word. Uh, I know that each person here today, that you brought them through these doors because you want them to hear something from you today. And I pray that you'll just speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray that you will just anoint me with your word, that you will speak through me. Lord, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we may be forgiven and so that we may forgive others. Instill that in us, the truth of that in us today. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right. Do we have any NASCAR fans in here? Anybody like NASCAR? Okay, just a couple. All right. Well, I know that even if you're not a NASCAR fan, you've at least seen some of it on television. You've seen a couple of replays of, the, of a couple of laps. I like NASCAR a little bit, but I mostly watch it just for the crashes. I like to see the accidents because that's the exciting part, right? There's just something about a half a million dollar car going around a track in a circle at 150 miles an hour and spinning out of control and hitting things. There's something about that that I like. But it's not that I want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But, you know, busted up fenders and smoke and blown tires, it's exciting, you know. There's some, some dings going on out there, and, and I like it. But I've also found that life is a lot like racing. And we're all going around this track that we call life. And the problem is there's other people on this track and we're getting some dents and dings along the way. So the question becomes, what do you do when your fender gets dinged? How do you react? How do you respond to that? And so we see in Matthew chapter 18 that Jesus addresses this with his disciples. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So I don't know who Peter's referring to here, but apparently somebody's getting on his last nerve. And he wants to know, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive? Because the rabbis said that you had to forgive three times. So you could give a person three chances, and after that, three strikes, you're out. You don't have to forgive them anymore. And so he's saying, you know, he's thinking, well, you know, I know Jesus always likes to go the extra mile. He thinks we should go the extra mile. So, okay, I'm going to double it and add one. And so Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive? Seven? And he's thinking Jesus is going to be like, oh, Peter, you are such a good disciple. I am so glad I chose you. You, are, you just shine. You're so great. You're so thoughtful and kind. Seven times. And then... This is what he says. Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or your Bible might say 70 times 7, which would be 490. Different scholars think that it, it says different things because actually um, they used to always say, the, the rabbis used to always say 70 times 7 as a symbol of infinity. Like you just have to keep going on and on. Like I say a blue million. That means just on and on and on. And so uh, a lot of scholars think that it, that it was 70 times 7. But it doesn't matter really. Because the point is that we're supposed to forgive without limits. The point is Jesus saying stop counting. Stop counting. Don't, don't be sitting back tallying it up. Like okay, you know, when they get to 490, I don't have to forgive them anymore. So... 489, all right, here we go, 490, bam. Don't have to forgive you anymore, I'm done. And we're just waiting for it. But what Jesus is saying is forgiveness has no limits. Forgive them as many times as they need forgiving because that's how God treats us, right? And Peter thought, well, I'll forgive them, but I'm going to keep track. I'm going to keep a record. But if we look in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love keeps no record. Of wrongs. 
And God is love, so God keeps no record of wrongs. And Jesus says, stop counting. If you put a limit on forgiveness, you know, maybe you're like, well, I'll forgive my family because that's my family. But that guy at the office, that guy that went over my head to the boss, uh -uh, I ain't forgiving him. And Jesus says, no, forgive everyone. Maybe you're like Peter and you're like, oh, I'll forgive them, but I'm keeping score. I'm keeping track. But we can't put a limit on forgiveness because we are forgiven. Okay, because you are forgiven. God doesn't put a limit on your forgiveness. So Jesus tells a story, he tells a parable to illustrate this point. And in this parable, as usual, the king represents who? God. The king represents God. And this is important because what Jesus is telling us here about the king, about the behavior of the king, is what he wants us to know about God. And then the servant in the story is us. And so we're going to pick up in Matthew 18, verse 23. It says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like this, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. A king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So one talent equaled about $1,000. So if you do the math, you're looking at about $10 million. Okay, this guy owes the king $10 million. And if that's kind of a ridiculous amount to you, if that sounds ridiculous, it should. It's meant to. It's meant to be a shocking amount that he could never, ever pay back. If he... If he worked every day and gave the king every dime he ever made for the rest of his life, he would never be able to pay back this debt. And that's the point. Is that since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Okay, so a hundred denarii would be about a day's wages, so maybe about 50 bucks today. 50 bucks versus 10 million, so significantly less than what he owed the king. So what does he do? He grabs him by the throat, says he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Just like he had said to the king just a little bit ago. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. So I don't know about you, but when I read that story, I think, oh, this guy, he was forgiven $10 million? Like, he was forgiven so much, yet he refused to forgive so little? That doesn't even make sense to me. If I was forgiven $10 million in debt, $10 million, I would be the most forgiven. Nobody would have to pay me back anything. I'd be like, nobody pays me back. I would be the most 
debt-forgiving person on the planet? Or would I? Or am I? Are you? Because remember, this is an example of forgiveness. And if we're talking about the extreme amount of forgiveness that I have received versus the amount of forgiveness I'm willing to give, then maybe I'm just like that guy. Maybe you're just like that guy. Because every sin that we commit is against God. And if God were keeping score, which he's not, but if he were keeping score, I've surpassed 490 many, many times. A calculator couldn't count that high. A computer couldn't count that high. But God's, God's forgiveness has no limits, and we must forgive to be forgiven. And this was a crucial message. It was such an important message that Jesus wanted to get across to us. That when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he included this in the Lord's Prayer. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he even goes on to expand on this. The only part of the Lord's Prayer that he felt the need to go on and explain further. And he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not... Forgive others their sins. Your father will not forgive your sins. He didn't sugarcoat it. He left no room for interpretation. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. So we must forgive to be forgiven. And I don't know about you, but when I think about it on those terms, there ain't nobody worth coming between me and my God. Right? There's no grudge worth that. Now, it doesn't tell us how Peter responded to this. It doesn't tell us who he needed to forgive or whether he forgave them or not, but I have to believe that he did. Because if you recall, a little bit later, we see that Jesus says that Peter's going to deny him. And Peter's like, oh, no, not me, Jesus. Now, I would never deny you. I would go to jail before I would deny you, Jesus. I would die with you before I would deny you, Jesus. And then lo and behold, what does Peter do? He denies him three times. Right? At the moment when Jesus really needs somebody to have his back. Right? They've they've come and they've gotten him and they're going to take him off and they're going to torture him and they're going to kill him. And his friend Peter says, oh, that guy, I don't know him. And it says that in that moment, when Peter is actually denying Jesus, that the rooster crows and Jesus turns around and looks at Peter. He looks at Peter in that moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how that must have felt for your friend to deny you? Yet we find that after Jesus dies on the cross and he he rises again three days later, One of the very first things that he does is he forgives Peter. 
The angel told the ladies at the tomb to go get the disciples and Peter. Peter probably didn't feel very worthy of discipleship status at that point. And then when Peter gets back together with the disciples, he makes sure that Peter knows and understands that he has been forgiven. I think everyone in here knows what it's like to be hurt so badly that forgiving is the furthest thing from your mind. You know, revenge, now that's more natural. Revenge, I can do that. You know, a little X lax in your chocolate pudding. I can do that. <laughs> Don't mess with me. <laughs> revenge comes a little more natural. But forgiveness... But when you don't forgive, you're not hurting that other person. You're hurting yourself and your relationship with God. Because the Lord won't forgive those who won't forgive. Forgiveness is one of the most critical commandments on your life because unforgiveness affects you. It affects you in many, many different aspects of your life. And I've asked Pastor Dennis's wife, Sharon, to come this morning and share with you some of her experience with forgiveness in her life. So welcome Sharon this morning. There we go. Good morning. This is not what I normally do. And, and, and dare say that uh, probably in the 20, well, 40-some years that we've been in ministry, rarely have I got on stage to talk. So this is a good one. <laughs> Um, several weeks ago, Teresa posted the following to our Grace Sisters on Facebook. She said, I need some input. I'm, input. I know forgiveness isn't easy, and I don't want to cover, I don't want to oversimplify it. What are some things about forgiveness you'd like to see the church address in the sermon? So she knew this was coming up. Well, there were many awesome comments on Facebook. And um, I'm going to share just a couple of those. One of our Grace sisters, Lisa, posted, I always remind myself that I want, I want to be forgiven for the wrong that I've done. So I also have to be willing to forgive others. If I want mercy for me, I have to extend mercy to others. Also, if I think of people I know that have held on to unforgiveness, especially if it's been over a long period of time, they often do seem to have an air of anger and bitterness in their, uh, to their character. Often, they feel righteous in their anger, and because of it, they too, they're, they're too proud to forgive. They're going to wait for the other person to say so first, and then sometimes that other person doesn't even know what they've done. Also, for some people, it's hard to say, the words, I'm sorry, and they try to show, to say they're sorry by their actions instead. Asking for forgiveness is hard. I think you do try, and you do it for both parties, and sometimes you have to ask yourself repeatedly and realize it may never come, but now, but you know that you tried. Another uh, Grace sister wrote, Tracina, she wrote, forgiveness frees you from the people you've hurt that have hurt you. It's not an emotion, it's a decision and your emotions will eventually follow. So if you're a Christian and you believe Jesus died for your sins, 
you also have to forgive yourself for your past sins. Not doing so is like saying God was wrong. If we don't let go of our past sins, we're likely to repeat them. Now, I rarely ever post on Facebook. People who follow me, you know that. And I didn't post to this conversation. But I read every single post. The topic began to weigh heavy on my heart. And so I personally talked to Teresa uh, about the conversation and about what the Grace Sisters were uh, talking about and about unforgiveness. I really felt the need to tell you about my story. So I asked, actually, actually asked Teresa if I could speak on this subject today. So this is my story. We were in our third or fourth year of our pastorate in Cleveland, Tennessee. I was about 27 or 28 years old. And on a Sunday morning before the service started, as I was walking around and greeting members and visitors, I had a member of our church come up to me and proceeded to tell me about my faults and, and everything that was wrong with me. Of course, being the Christian that I thought I was at that time, I didn't agree with her one bit. We exchanged a few words, and many of those words were not pleasant. And this is in church. We're in church. So after that situation, she avoided me, and I really avoided her at church or anywhere else that I saw her in town. You know, I was really surprised that she and her family continued to come to church, knowing that Dennis and I were not going anywhere. I mean, we're there every Sunday. But they come. They come every Sunday. So every Sunday, I dreaded going to church. And I was the pastor's wife. I replayed that conversation in my head more times than I could even count. I would literally sit and stare at that person in church thinking, how could she be a Christian talking to me like that? The more I replayed that conversation, the more I became angry and bitter. Approximately six months had passed. I began to experience pain in my joints. I had trouble with my jaw, eating, sleeping, constant pain. I began to experience pain in my knees. I could barely walk up or down stairs. My elbows were locking up. I could barely just feed myself. I was a total, total mess. After several doctor visits and finding no reason for my sickness, I was praying one evening, and I was crying, and I was yelling out to God for help. I'm your child. I believe in your word, your promises for me. Please, Lord, please, Lord, heal my body. And during, during my prayer, I was reminded of a conversation that I had with this member at church a few months ago. Now, I've never had the Lord speak to me audibly, but this conversation with this member kept replaying in my mind. I knew I had to ask this member to forgive me. I knew what this was about. So in my prayer, I told the Lord, I tell him a lot of things all the time, but sometimes <laughs> it's his way, not mine. So I told the Lord, I would personally go to this member and ask her to forgive me. And my healing actually started that evening. 
Now, this is the problem right now. The member's husband received a new job, and they moved the month before my cry with the Lord and my commitment to ask for forgiveness from her. My prayer every day began to be, Lord, please forgive me for my anger and my bitterness toward Mary. Lord, if Mary should ever cross my path, I will ask her to forgive me. Now, this is the miracle about this whole situation. I've told you they moved. I was at Cleveland. I was at a Cleveland Walmart one day. Now, this is before we had cell phones, uh, Facebook, social media, and where you could figure out where people were going for the week or where they're at for the moment. You know, I'm here. Um, so I was doing my normally weekly shopping. I reached for something on the shelf and looked across the aisle and saw Mary. At that very moment, she saw me too. We both literally ran to each other and began to cry and hug one another. We were both a mess. We're standing in the aisle. I'm asking her to forgive me, and she's asking me to forgive her. Mary was also experiencing her own health problems, and I didn't know that. So Mary and her husband was only there for that one day to visit family. But God created this encounter for us to meet. It was meant to be. Little did I know that this lesson in unforgiveness actually was part of my healing with unforgiveness I had with my own parents. My parents divorced when I was 14 years old, and I graduated from high school when I was 17, and neither of my parents attended my high school graduation. The only person I knew in the audience watching me graduate was my boyfriend, Dennis. <laughs> I got pictures to prove it, but... <laughs> When Dennis and I were married, uh, neither of my parents attended our wedding. They didn't want to be in the same room together either, so I didn't have anybody walk me down the aisle. I walked myself. Uh, Dennis's family became my family on that wedding day. And during the birth of our children, and every other special occasion in my life, my parents did not attend or even really acknowledge the fact it was a special occasion. My prayer life became about forgiveness in all parts of my life. Two weeks before my father passed away, he came to visit. And at this time, Dennis and I had been married 25 years, and he had never been in our home, ever. One evening, my dad and I had some quiet time together, and my dad asked me to forgive him for the divorce and for what our family had been through all those years. Needless to say, the tears, you know, they were just flying everywhere. I was boo and he was too. A few scriptures that I cling to when it comes to unforgiveness. Ephesians 4.26, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. It's human nature to be angry, mad, probably say a few things you shouldn't. But it's when you allow that anger to fester and then you get vindictive and or to hurt that person, that becomes a sin. 
Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so must you do. It's a choice every day for forgiveness. Now, I, I have never forgot all that stuff, but every day is forgiveness. And you, it's unbelievable how that will creep up on you again, but you have to make it part of your prayer life, forgiveness. Thank you, Sharon. So you can see from her story that unforgiveness, it affects you, not just emotionally, but, but physically too. It's like the old saying that, you know, that anger and bitterness and unforgiveness is like, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It doesn't work that way, Right? And an unforgiving heart can cause you to lose other good relationships in your life. Other good relationships. Because people don't like to be around someone who's bitter and angry and negative all the time. This bitterness isn't pretty. We are called to rise above and to live above the offenses of life. Because let me tell you something. If you are easily offended then we have an enemy that will make sure that he puts someone in your path every day that will offend you. Even at church. Maybe even especially at church. And I know that, that some of you are sitting here this morning and God has already put somebody on your heart that you need to forgive. And he's saying, forgive them. You know, let it go. No one is, is going to criticize you for walking in grace and having a good attitude, and just letting it go. Let stuff roll off your back. But now, that doesn't mean that you have to forget, and you have to go back to the way that things were, because some relationships cannot be reconciled. Okay, Some offenses can be so damaging that we just can't go back into that relationship. Can't go back to the way that things were. And I know that some of you may be surprised to hear me say that because you've always heard that you have to forgive and forget. But some relationships aren't meant to be reconciled. And you're not ungodly if you say, hey, I forgive you, but I choose not to be in this relationship anymore. I forgive you, but I'm not going to date you anymore. Or I forgive you, but you're not going to be the friend I tell my secrets to anymore. You're, you're well within your Christian right to do that. Sometimes relationships have to come to an end. And I also believe that sometimes God allows offenses to break a relationship that he never ordained for you in the first place. But there are some relationships, many relationships, maybe even most relationships, that can and should be restored. But that can't be rushed. That can't be rushed. It takes time. I know, you know, when it's you that's done the offending, well, you want them to forgive you and go back to, to the way things were very quickly, right? And then when it doesn't, you go, well, I thought you were a Christian. 
But some things take time. It's not that simple. And true forgiveness, true forgiveness doesn't mean that, that you excuse them and let them off the hook with no accountability. Because there are consequences to the choices that we make in this life, right? And so forgiveness or no forgiveness, those consequences have to be paid. And for example, if someone, if what they've done to you is illegal, if they broke the law, if they stole from you, if they uh, were abusive towards you, then they will have to pay the consequences of the choices that they make. True forgiveness doesn't mean that you pretend it didn't happen or that you act like it didn't hurt you. Actually, true forgiveness requires acknowledging the wrong that was done and then you're able to move past it. Acknowledge how it hurts you. And you may be thinking, well, Teresa, you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. But God does. And he says that we must forgive and that there's no exceptions to that rule. And he sent us the greatest, most extreme example that he could send us of that. You know, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. And I'm challenged and I'm amazed at my Jesus that he, that he was tortured and he was beaten and he was spit on and he was hung on a cross with nails through his hands and his feet. And his offenders stood there and watched him and enjoyed watching him struggle and die as they laughed at him. And he said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. That's my Jesus. And the offenses to me in this world pale in comparison to that. But you may be at a point where you're thinking, yeah, I know I should forgive, but I don't want to forgive. Like They don't deserve my forgiveness. What they did was so bad, they don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe, but you are a child of God. And you need to have that burden lifted from you. And you need to have that relationship restored between you and God. You need to have that barrier removed between you and God. Because like I said earlier, there ain't nobody worth coming between me and my God. And so if you're struggling, if you're struggling to even want to forgive, I get that. I, I know that. I've been there. You know, I had a, a bitterness and a hatred in my heart towards someone for many, many years. And it ate at me and ate at me. And then one day I found out that something really bad had happened in their life. And I was glad. I was glad that something bad happened to somebody. That's bad. And I realized that day that this is not who I want to be. This is not the person that I want to be. And so I prayed. I prayed that God would make me want to forgive them. And I was like, God, I don't want to forgive them. I don't think they deserve it. I don't want to forgive them, but I do want to please you. And so I asked him daily to make me want to forgive this person and to soften my heart. And he did. 
over time, he did. And I realized one day when I found out that something else really bad had happened in their life, something similar to what had happened in mine. And I felt sorry for them. I felt bad that that had happened to them. And I realized then that I was making progress and that I really was moving towards forgiveness. Now, I still think about the offense sometimes. I still think about what happened, but it doesn't affect me the way that it did because I finally came to the point where I realized that this person is a human being. And as a human being, we all make mistakes. And we all make bad choices. And sometimes those choices and those mistakes affect other people. And I've made some of those. I've made some of those that have hurt other people. We have an enemy. We have an enemy that is very real and very active in this world. And he, he's using people as a tool. He uses us as tools against each other to hurt each other. And we're, we're all susceptible to that. We all have to be careful of that. We're all human. But through forgiveness, we can take that control back from the enemy. We can reclaim that control in our lives because don't you ever forget that he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. And he's going to give you the strength and the desire to forgive. As I was studying for this message, I was trying to figure out, how do you know if you've really forgiven someone? How do you know if you've really gotten there? And this is what I think. The first sign of true forgiveness is you stop talking about it. If you still feel the need to go out and tell everybody what they've done, then you've not truly forgiven. Because what you're doing is you're trying to turn everybody else against them. You're trying to hurt their reputation. You're trying to make them look bad. You're seeking revenge. And there's nowhere in the Bible where God says, if somebody does you wrong, go tell everybody. It's not in there. Because remember, when someone, when someone hurts you, there's two things that God judges. What they did and how you respond. Married couples, how many married couples we got out here? Even dating couples. Let me give you some advice. The worst thing that you can do in your marriage or in your relationship is to get in an argument or a fight and run and tell your parents about it. <laughs> or even run and tell your friends about it. Because what you can get over, they can't. The people who love you can't. And all you're doing is you're setting up the people you love to not like this other person that you love. That's bad. Don't do that. And I know sometimes you just need somebody to talk to, somebody to vent to, somebody to get all those feelings off your chest, and God is always available for that. All right? And you say, well, God doesn't talk back. Yeah, he does. He does, just like, just like Sharon said. It's that still, small voice. It's those thoughts that are not your own. 
that come to your mind, and that's God speaking to you. Now, you won't get the satisfaction of him calling them a low-down, dirty dog, and you poor thing. <laughs> but if that's what you're looking for, you might should check your motives. The second sign of true forgiveness is you no longer seek revenge or resent their blessings. And now I know that hurt people hurt people. But you cannot forgive as long as you're trying to hurt the person who hurt you. Because let me tell you something that you may have already figured out. Revenge does not heal your hurt. It will not change the person who hurt you. And it will not ease the pain of whatever's going on in your life. Revenge is not the answer. Jesus says that when someone offends you, don't try to get even. Pray for them. Lift them up to the Lord. And I know that's hard. But once you get started, this is one of the ways that you train yourself to forgive is to start praying. And not praying about them, but praying for them. Praying that God would actually bless them. And, and don't pray that they'll apologize. Because if that's what you need, if you need a sincere apology to be able to forgive, then we have an enemy that will make sure that that is the very thing that you do not get. So our forgiveness cannot be dependent on their apology. And the thing is that after they hurt you, after that offense, the hurt after that is from you replaying it over and over in your mind. It's self-inflicted. You're replaying it. It's like a scab. You just pick at it and pick at it and pick at it. It will never heal. You've got to make a deliberate decision that I will not live in these emotions any longer. You can forgive if you choose to. But the choice is yours. So in closing this morning, as the worship team comes back up, I just want to ask everyone to, to close, your head, close your eyes and bow your heads. Who do you need to forgive? Who came to your mind in this message this morning? Big or small. You know, it could be someone who, who offended you yesterday with a misspoke word. Big or small, who do you need to forgive? And can you do that? Can you start that process today? Or maybe you need to ask forgiveness from someone else. Maybe you're the one that needs the forgiveness. And if that's the case, then I would encourage you to go out today. Go out as soon as possible. And sincerely ask for their forgiveness with no excuses. Just acknowledge what you've done and ask for them to forgive you. Don't live with this burden anymore. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your message this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you will instill in us a desire to forgive. Lord, a desire to right the wrongs in our lives. Lord, I thank you for sending the example of your son to die on the cross for us, for our sins, Lord. Instill in us the fruit of forgiveness, Lord, that we may be a, a great example of you in the world. Empower us 
Lord, to take a step forward. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.